Hey yo, what's up people? B Things back for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast. So, what day is it? Is it Monday? Yes. Guys, it's been a super eventful last couple days for me. Like, I'm going to be transparent, super stressful. But I've navigated through it. I've gotten stronger through it. I've been instilled with strength from the Lord. On the real though, it's been tough. Um, been navigating through this shit. Uh, but, of course, I was linked with all the tweets and all the updates from today's practice, which consisted of a lot of shit. It was an exciting day yesterday, um, which the Bengals were practicing, but excited day today as well. So to hop straight into things, um, one of the most significant things today was the uniform schedule release, which is super exciting, especially with our team having sexy fucking uniforms. Um, White Tiger, two times next year, or this upcoming season, two times. Let's go. That's what we needed it as. I think that if they would have done one time, we would have been disappointed. <clears throat> Look, off top, something I have not posted on my story because I know um, my be things faithful. All of you guys that listen are likely avid followers of my stories and stuff in my main feed posts, which I haven't posted on my story. That that's why they've uh, they have scheduled the team to wear orange orange jerseys only one time this year. A lot of people kept asking, why are they only wearing them one time? Because, guys, we have two alternate uniforms now. Like, you have to juggle that. You know what I'm saying? Because last year they wore the orange three times. Uh, yeah, Jags, Steelers, and Chiefs. Which is kind of ironic is that they are having their alternate uniforms in the same sequence again. Thursday Night Football last year was our alternate unis, the orange. This year, Thursday Night Football Week 4, just like Week 4 last year, alternate units except there are secondary alternates the all white week 11 was also Steelers last year which is really ironic alternate unis that's the white on white on white then our other alternate which is week uh let me see really quick I'm pretty sure it's week 15 or 16 against the Chiefs which was our alternate last year so you see the connection of Steelers alternate unis, just like last year. Chiefs alternate unis, just like last year. Thursday night, week four primetime game, alternate unis, just like last year. That's pretty weird, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Let's see. Fuck. I don't know. Oh, shit, not week 13 against the Chiefs. So, that's pretty dope. Exciting shit, guys. Um, This white on white on white. Gonna look fucking crazy. Um, So, we got that out of the way. Some of the things today that happened in camp. Joe is out there throwing again. Let's fucking go. That's what we'd love to see. Seems like Joe's taken a huge step the last few days, as you'd expect. But, I think I'm mainly speaking from from my own thoughts. And I'm sure you guys are thinking though as well. It's felt like forever. Like it's been two weeks. About two weeks tomorrow. Damn, it's felt like a long two weeks. Um, since he's had the surgery. He's looking really good. He was throwing again today. Super, super light work. But taking some shotgun snaps. No pads. That's a good sign. 
I would expect him to be in pads next week. That's just me. Um, pure speculation. So next Monday sounds like a pretty good time, or maybe even this Sunday. You know, you get the off day on Saturday. So their off days are on Wednesdays and Saturdays. They go Monday or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Shit, no, Thursday, Friday. So, yeah, you'd hope to see that from Joe. Um, All sides are pointing towards that he's having a good recovery. Um, He seems like he's at the point to where he feels good. You know, he just has to get ready to go for contact. So he's not grimacing anymore, not limping around, no cart needed. He's walking, even jogging a day. So it seems like a lot of that pain's wore off. Good for him. Um, Another thing... With T, another injury. So, not that T is injured, but coming back from injury, T is pretty much, he's 100%. The team, as they've been, the trend has been for the last couple of years, and they really pioneered just how cautious they are. Um, They're doing that to the maximum degree with T. No need to rush him back. We already know what he can do. He already knows what this system is. Um, But he's 100%. He was speaking to one of the reporters in the locker room and that's what he said I'm 100 I'm ready to go um and he participated in 11 on 11s today I wish I knew exactly what happened in the 11 on 11s I gotta do some more fucking research but I haven't been able to find much from today ah I think I know what it was it's that now at this part of training camp um beat writers and reporters are not allowed to be on the field accessing um, the 11 on 11 period. I think that's what it is. I think regulation in the NFL rules is that you're not allowed to watch 7 on 7 and 11 on 11s past a certain time in training camp because this is where they're starting to install. It's where you're starting to install plays, more specific schemes. Players are being moved in specific spots, gaining specific roles, and things are starting to emulsify. So I think that's why I haven't heard anything, and you guys haven't heard much of anything from 11 on 11s today. But... I saw one glimpse. T fucking mossed CTB today. I was like, who is that motherfucker? Number 29? He got cooked. Hey, it's what it is, though, man. It's what happens when you go against a fucking six, four and a half receiver. Hitting that corner pylon. Good luck. Hit that fade route in that back pylon spot. It's an amazing spot for us receivers, man. Um, so of course T Malstrom showed him that rookie life, showed him how much of a rookie he was and showed how much T was ready to go. Looked good up there, looked strong at the catch point, didn't show any weakness as you'd expect from a guy who says he's 100% ready to go. So good to see from T. Um, let's see. Oh, okay, here we go. Looking through my notes here. Bengals add a sponsor to one of the entrance gates. Now, I posted this on my story. Their sponsor, Alta Fiber. I don't think that's a company from here. I may be wrong. You know, of course, there's hella shit beyond my, you know, knowledge and understanding about this city. Uh, I've never heard of Alta Fiber. Alta Fiber. Um, and I think that's a misconception of mine to think that everything has to be local Cincinnati-based. Um but, yeah, so Alta Fiber is sponsoring one of the gates, one of the entrance gates. 
there is a few gates. I think there's four, maybe even five or six. So I think that's a um, great opportunity for the Bengals to accumulate all sponsorship funds, contracts, monies that they can. So if I were them, shit, I'd sponsor almost every gate. I mean, it ain't complicated. Like from a fan standpoint, nobody fucking cares. You know, so good for them. If if I were the Bengals, I'd sponsor every goddamn thing I can. Why not? You know, you're a billion dollar organization. You're extremely well known and becoming extremely well respected. It's a golden opportunity for you to not only sponsor, but to sponsor at a high value because of who you are, because of the recognition you get, because of the excitement you bring. When people come to that stadium, they're excited. They're engaged. They're listening. They're watching. They're just overall extremely engaged. It's like if I'm a sponsor, you know, and looking to connect with the Bengals, like I would be willing to take anything I could get because I'm be like, hey, these eyes that are coming in here, these ears that are coming in here, this excitement that's coming in here, like it's high. It's engaged. So that means that we could get better sales as a sponsor. Like, but this ain't no marketing fucking podcast. So not to get into that, but overall, Good opportunity for the Bengals. There's the first sponsor, Alta Fiber. One of the other things. Um, oh, I Am Athlete crew pulled up uh, to the spot yesterday. I think along with multiple other reporters. I've heard that it's been crazy packed with all the well-known and respected reporters um, of many programs. NFL Network, Pro Football Network. Pro Football Focus, CBS Sports, um, Fox NFL newscasts, like a lot of prominent people are pulling up to Bengals practices, which sucks for them probably because, you know, obviously we all want to go and watch Joe Burrow throw beautiful deep dime, you know, deep balls to Jamar and T and, you know, uh, slot fades and fucking post routes to TB and, you know, all that nice shit, but you're not getting any Joe Burrow action right now. So it's super cool to still see them schedule times to get up there and to interact with the players and stuff. Um, and I Am Athlete was one of the other crews that were there. Uh, Brandon Marshall, Pac-Man, which is dope for him to come back. Um, uh, Channing Crowder, an old linebacker who's a stud for the Dolphins back in the 2000s. Um, who's one of the other guys? Uh, B. Marshall, Ocho. Oh, Ocho, what the fuck? Ocho. So they pulled up. Ocho got some pictures, um, slid on the dudes, hung out with them for a bit. I think they got Joe in a little interview, which is fucking dope. Because if you guys know, Joe like is not like a big interview guy. But what's pretty cool for my 10,000-foot overview uh, with them, it seems like Joe's super connected to those guys because he knows that they relate to him. And from a humble way, I know Joe Joe and this reciprocated humbly throughout the guys, but like, look, they're respected. They actually they were extremely successful at their job. B. Marshall, an all time guy for his generation, Chad, an all time guy during his generation, Pac Man, an all time guy during his generation, and same thing with Channing Crowder. So I'm sure that just made Joe feel a bit more comfortable. The Bengals guys like Pac Man and Chad super connected to the stadium, to the front office. So it just seems like it was a great environment for Joe to feel welcome, comfortable, like he's in unison with those guys instead of some, you know, as being this like 
you know, because, like, when Joe walks around, as you guys could imagine, a lot of these pros, it's hard to feel connected to really any normal individual, you know? You know that they mean that humbly. It's just a reality, like, especially, like, a guy like Joe, who's a reserve dude. So he's just used to everybody being fans, you know, and you can't connect that much with the fan. Like, you can't grow a, a legitimate, intimate, respectable relationship with somebody that's just fanboying you. So, and that's what Joe gets a lot. So it's hard for him to connect with a lot of people. It's super cool to see that he didn't have to go through that with these guys, get a cool interview, and have some pretty cool moments. A cool moment like that playlist, which is fucking fine. Yeah, it ain't too crazy, but it's nice. It's nice. Um, just good for Joe to get that interaction with those guys. And, um, damn, I'm trying to finish up my notes here. And to get a podcast, I think he recorded the podcast, so maybe something will be released from I Am Athlete soon on that. Uh, super dope stuff. So, last thing, Bengals' first official depth chart. Important shit. So, this is what's re- super exciting because you can tell shit's really starting to emulsify now. Shit's starting to become real for this season. So, I'm going to go through with you guys really quick, just going through some of the prominent things because obviously we all know. Most of the starters. Like, we don't have to go through that Jackson Carmen. Now, Jackson's listed as the starting left guard. Kind of assumed at this point. Kind of assumed throughout the offseason. But that uh, Cordell could have competed with him and really pushed him for a starting spot. Doesn't seem like it's the case, which is good. Um, You know, because you hope to see that positive progression from Jackson Carmen to where Cordell can't reach him or catch up. Cordell's listed as number two left guard. Deontay as the backup left tackle, Isaiah backup right tackle, Hakeem backup right guard, and Trey Hill as the backup center. And you got Ben Brown as the number three center, which is pretty interesting because for a lot of these back-end guys, this this is obviously not set in stone. And just to enforce and ensure you guys that it's not set in stone, you know who was the starting left guard last year? Fucking Michael Jordan till week three on the depth chart of the preseason. So this is heading into week one of the preseason. And Michael Jordan was the starter on the depth chart in week three of the preseason. You know who was the first cut player? uh, to The first cut player down to the 53-man roster last year was Michael Jordan. Down to 53. From 85 to 53, he was the first guy cut. So this is not set in stone at all. All right. Um, so, yeah, you got that as an interesting backup spot. Um, Trent Taylor as that receiver five. Um, one second. Let me read this. Yeah, receiver five. Stanley looks like he's receiver four. Mike Thomas, receiver six. Makes sense. Samaje listed as that running back two. Kind of expected as well. Chris Evans running back three, Travion four, Jacquez five, then Sharmar, Sharmari Jones, number 27, six. Good luck to him. That's probably uh, a guy looking on the outside in for that um, practice squad spot. Thad Moss says that TE4, but you're expecting him to get TE3 and potentially TE2 reps with Drew Sample being out. Drew's certainly going to miss this preseason. So a huge time for these back-end roster guys, specifically Thad Moss, to try to make an impression, 
to try to take any, you know, show any value he can to this team because he needs to. He has not had a great camp. He's kind of been a guy. And when you're a back-end roster guy, you don't want to be just a guy. You know, that doesn't give you much confidence heading into a season. So, uh, zooming over to the defense, Cam Sample back up um, DE to Sam Hubby. Um, Josh Tupo back up to DJ Reader. Zach Carter back up 3-Tech, which you'd expect. Joseph Asai back up to Trey Hendrickson. They will rotate. Uh, Joseph Asai will rotate with Sam. They're definitely going to want to get some pass sets on a third downs with Osai and Hendrickson, certainly. Because they know Sam's strong suit is not pass rushing. He's elite, the best run-stopping edge rusher, not pass rushing edge rusher. So, Akeem Davis-Gaither sitting at that um, LB3. Jalen Davis back up slot. Interesting how he's held on to that role. And sure enough, guys. As a lot of us were a little bit alarmed by seeing Allen fucking George, undrafted guy from Vanderbilt this year, get that um, get those reps with the ones on Friday, or yeah, Friday I think. That certainly did not mean that he was ahead of CTB on the depth chart because he's not. CTB is back up to Eli Apple right now. Eli's held on to the starting job. What is really interesting though, well. No, actually, it's not. Just the formality makes it interesting here. They have Trey Flowers as a backup corner to Cheeto. Obviously, we know it's not the role he plays, though. Um, oh, wow. Michael Thomas, backup uh, uh, strong safety. That's really interesting. Wow. Michael Thomas is the backup strong safety, what they're showing over Brandon Wilson and Tyson Anderson. You hope Tyson has a really good um, a really good preseason. I definitely don't want to jump the gun here. Because like I said, um, you know, fucking Michael Jordan was listed as the starting guard. And he was the first one cut. I think they're certainly going to keep Tyson Anderson this year. He's not coming off this um, roster. They're going to keep him. I think Brandon Wilson is on the outside looking in. I think he's going to get cut because kicker Turner is showing um, Chris Evans as the top guy. So when when you're Brandon Wilson getting paid 2.5 mil per year coming off a torn ACL, you're safety five, safety four, maybe, and you're not even the starting kicker turner anymore, where's your value? You know, so unfortunately, Brandon Wilson is certainly looking on the outside in. Um, Kwame Laster is looking like kicker turner three, and he's punt returner two behind Trent Taylor. This is just the beginning. A lot is going to develop and a lot's going to change throughout preseason. You expect Kwame to potentially dethrone Trent Taylor for that punt returning spot. Um, so a lot of interesting things, guys. It's super exciting. You have a fucking depth chart. It means it's game week, baby. It is game week. We got a game on Friday. Super exciting. So glad you guys were tuning into the All Things Bengals podcast with yours truly, Bengals Things. Hope you guys have a good day, and um, I'll talk to you all on Wednesday. Who day? Fuck, man. My fucking podcast cut off again. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know why my podcast keeps cutting out, um, but it's done this at the end of the episodes a few times. So I don't know exactly where I left off, but um, 
It was about Joe getting an interview with the I Am Athlete podcast. If I already touched on it, I'll just brush across it really quick. Um, getting that interview with those prominent past NFL players like Ocho, Pac-Man, B. Marsh, and Channing Crowder, um, specifically Pac-Man and Chad. Super cool, um, super connectable must have been for Joe to know that not only were these guys at the top of their game and elite players and respected throughout the history of the league, they're respected and adored from this Bengals franchise that Joe now leads. So super cool of him. Um, and they were going through Joe's playlist, uh, super dope music playlist, fucking Gunna, Juice, NBA, saw some hella dope shit. I, I went through um, I went through his playlist.